Welcome to the Game Plan Podcast with Judah Newby and Brian Perkins, breaking down all things Seahawks. Well, how about that? The Seahawks look like world beaters in week six, taking down the Oakland Raiders in London 27 to 3. I know Oakland's terrible, but the Seahawks finally put together a complete performance from beginning to end, and we have seen peak Seattle Seahawks football for 2018, at least so far. Alongside Brian Perkins, I'm Judah Newby. This was a very enjoyable game to watch, my friend. It was. A little less enjoyable for Derek Carr, who was crying on the turf after getting sacked for the fifth time in the game. So, wow. man, uh, you're right. I, I can't remember the last time. Is it okay for a quarterback to cry? In game like that? I, I, like if he was injured? I'm sure there was something psychological together with the physical and emotional pull. That is a tough spot to yeah. be. That far away from home, I mean, you get homesick. Yeah, I mean, look, here's the thing. <laughs> I don't ever want to, you know, like people should be able to be in their emotions. Like there's this whole yeah. societal thing around that. But it is a little bit bizarre to me that in the middle of a football game, right after a play where you have to get up and call another play, that you're crying. But no. at the same time, look at this team. It's a complete cluster F for Oakland. Like if you're Der- if you're Derek Carr... Aren't you like, oh, my God, I know how my brother felt. Yeah, absolutely. Jeez, Louise, just the, crazy. Seahawks score in every quarter. They have a great opening drive. They have a great final drive. and They uh, score that, on an opening drive for the first time in, like, three seasons. Over two years. Yeah, week three of 2016, which, by the way, I went back and looked at that drive. A lot different from the one that they scored on this time around. <laughs> that week three 2016 drive, they were playing at home against the 49ers. You might remember later in that game, 49ers Eli Harold brought down Wilson from behind and kind of effed up his, his leg for the rest of the season. Um, but the first drive of that game was three plays, 75 yards, and it took 46 seconds. It was a Christian Michael 41-yard touchdown run. Christian Michael <laughs> leading Usher back As then. opposed so, to the, their opening drive, which took like seven minutes, eight minutes almost off yeah, the clock. 736. 14 plays, 82 yards, 736, a couple of third down conversions along the way. You know, here's what I want to lead off with, though, this question. Is your first takeaway, wow, the Seahawks can be a really good football team? Or is it, wow, the Raiders are very bad? Is it possible to have a middle ground there? No, well, I mean, a middle, I think both are true, but, but you know, if you were trying to say, is it 60-40 one way or the other, where's your primary reaction after a game like this? The Raiders are really bad. Yeah. And honestly, as I'm watching that game, I am just sitting there going, how the hell is Tom Cable still employed in the NFL? Great question. And it is unbelievable that it took that long for the Seahawks organization to decide to move on from him. Uh, Those were kind of the two things I was thinking about a lot during that game. But the Raiders are a really, really bad team. Mm -hmm. They've got culture problems. They've got personnel problems. Gruden, I believe, is at odds with Reggie McKenzie. Doesn't like his own quarterback has his receiver on the trading block and Amari Cooper. Uh, If they're trying to build this from the ground up, the ground keeps getting lower, and that's going to make their climb even that much tougher. All right, we know the Raiders are are terrible, but the Seahawks, for the record in this game, and we'll get to Russell Wilson in a moment, but how about let's start on the defensive side of the ball. They were exceptional, shutting out the Raiders for three quarters in this game, only allowing a field goal at the end with a missed field goal in there as well. 
forcing two turnovers with the forced fumbles by Frank Clark. And the pass rush, particularly Perkins, they do so well in this game without Rasheem Green and without Deion Jordan. Yeah, I mean, that's really, I mean, and once again, how much of that comes down to their pass rush and it comes down to, sure. honestly, just the, the poorest offensive line effort in that game. So it's it's a little bit hard to me. The pass rush looked awesome. Frank Clark looked great. So good. But also, I have to feel a little bit reserved in the judgment there. Mm-hmm. Now, Seahawks are 11th in the league in sacks now after that game. So That'll happen when the, you get six when you get, in a day. <laughs> yeah, when you get six. And it, it could have been eight. With penalties, yeah. You're right. I mean, so it could have been an even bigger day for that. And defensive I believe line. four of those six sacks were in like two play consecutive sequences, like sack, sack, and then sack strip, like back to back. So they were getting them in bunches and in, in big moments. Also, the signature Tom Cable multiple sacks came after holding penalties were called yeah. on the offensive line. Man, that felt felt so similar. It, it felt, felt good. It felt good to be on the other yeah. side of it. <laughs> Take that, Tom. But I, I I mean I think that professionally if speaking. you're still looking for one place that I feel pretty reserved about is still that pass rush because it had been non-existent right. uh, in a lot of games this season. So ten, ten sacks in five games before this one. Maybe this is the type of thing that gets them going, right? This is the type of game that that builds that confidence that they're looking for. But I'm not ready to say that that unit has arrived. We need to see more from them. Okay, I, I agree. That being said, I think Frank Clark has arrived. I mean, I know he just yeah. took Colton Miller to school, the young guy out of UCLA. That being said, he's had a really nice season while being sick. He played in that Rams game coming off a stomach virus, played in this game, got sick in the second half and didn't really play in the second half. Two and a half sacks and two forced fumbles. We're talking about this guy needed a breakout year in a contract year. He's bringing it. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's on pace for, you know, above 13 or 14 sacks. And you haven't had a Seahawk with 12 plus sacks in a season in over a decade. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it's been a while for sure. And Frank Clark has has looked really good in the opportunities that he has had this season. So I agree. I think there's some positives there. Now, the defensive line as a whole, they've got a ways to go, I still think. But you're right. And by the way, talking about the defense as a whole, this is a, a team that is top five in multiple statistics, passing yards allowed, interceptions, uh, points allowed per game. Props to Pete Carroll. Think about all of the turnover on this team. And, yes, there is a lot of talent still with Bobby Wagner. You know, Shaquille Griffin has looked good. But with the turnover, Bradley McDougald, of course, has been great. But think about the turnover. The Hall of Famers that have left this team, the perennial Pro Bowlers that left this team in the offseason, that is coaching that you are able to get this unit to do what it's done so far this year. Do you agree with this? Because I was thinking about this the other day, that, you know, Pete Carroll actually, you know, he has to do more coaching now with the current personnel than he had to do with the LOB. He has to coach more. Yeah. Right. He, he has to get his players from point A to point B more. He has to be more active on that side of, on that side of the ball as opposed to the set it and forget it type of mindset that he was allowed to do because he had Hall of Famers. Now he's got to empower his guys. He's got to empower what he has on the field. And you know what? He's great at that. That's his calling card. So you have a guy like Tedrick Thompson, a guy like Bradley McDougald, and not to take anything away from the talent that they possess themselves, but you've got Pete Carroll doing what he does best now with good players to make them really good, as opposed to exceptional players not having to touch them, basically. Yeah, And, and t- to be honest, I'm sure he did coaching with E.T. and Richard and Cam, but at some point, their their process just kind of wrote itself over time 
Whereas now he gets to game plan with these guys. He gets one-on-one -on -one time with these guys. He gets to maximize his personnel now and challenge himself to do that every single week, whereas he didn't have to before. And whatever he does to help guys have short memories and to give them the confidence that they need to succeed, I want some of that in my life. Because yeah. think about Tedrick Thompson. Did not have a good game last week. He looked really lost, timid, out of place, on multiple plays. That'll happen against McVay. <laughs> Fair enough. But that being said, the bounce back this week was very nice from him. Trey Flowers had to come in week one being third string, played safety in college. He comes in and plays corner, has a pretty poor outing week one of the season. He has been well above average at his position since that game. So, you know, when he went out with injury, that was an oh crap moment, right, uh, in that game. So I think that that's another thing about, about Pete that I think we underestimate a little bit is – Yes, the LOB had a lot of attitude and a lot of confidence just in their own right because that was the personality of a Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas, a Cam Chancellor. But Pete also instills that in those defensive backs in the, at the safety position in the secondary. Yeah, the secondary did really well. 4.6 yards per attempt for Derek Carr in this game. And the run defense you know, held beast mode to 13 carries for 45 yards. Three and a half yards per clip. But I tell you what, most of that yardage came after first contact as well. Yeah. He was carrying guys all game. And just emotionally bizarre to see uh, the Seahawks play Marshawn Lynch again. How much has Tom Cable Man. derailed Marshawn Lynch in his career? But, you know, that that the game plan was so bizarre for Oakland, Judah. Watching Derek Carr basically not attempt a pass beyond barely the line of scrimmage. It, it reminded felt like. us of Seattle, Arizona. Yeah. I mean, in terms of not getting the ball down the field. He tried once and overthrew Martavis Bryant. But other than that... Yeah, he had another and, deep and, throw to Cooper that got called back. Right, early. and that got called back for the hold. Good point. I also think Seattle defensively was taking away deep stuff. Yeah. Because they don't think a car can get it down the field, you know, or, to begin with. He just kept attacking the left flat. Like, he would look, 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 and hit left flat. Jalen Richard, Seth Roberts, Marshawn, who dropped a pass in this game... But he just kept going to the left flat, and Seattle would give him those three, four yards and have a linebacker come back out and buzz out and knock him out of bounds. But you do that over and over and over again, then you take your shots down the field. Normally, that would be a recipe for success, but Carr just can't do it. He's not playing well. He's probably banged up as heck. Well, yeah, and you look at Seattle, and, and you look at the Raiders, if you're Seattle, and you go, okay, this is a team that can't finish in the red zone. Their kicking game is a disaster. They're on their third kicker. Yeah. Their placeholder tore his ACL early in the season. So, yeah, I think you're able to rest on your laurels a little bit defensively and allow them to move the ball, though, to be honest, they didn't even do that well the majority of the game. Oh. And think about that. I mean, that the, back, the backbreaker was late in the second quarter. It's a 14-point game. They're driving down the field. Seattle has a couple of dumb penalties. They convert on third and 20, and they have an opportunity to go down and make that a one-score game late in the second quarter. Maybe Seattle's not able to score, blah, blah, blah. But instead, what happens? They stall. They take a sack. They get into like 47, 48-yard field goal range. He misses the field goal. Seattle goes down. Huge play to Moore right out of the gate. They kick a field goal and are up 17-0. Well, and the drive right before that is it was actually the quarterback sneak. Yeah. No, that's right. Yep. The, the missed yeah. field goal was was the drive earlier, but then right before the yes. half, they go for the quarterback sneak, and Seattle stuffs that. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's a yeah. huge, huge play. And then right out of the gate, Wilson to Moore, back shoulder to set up a 44-yarder for Seabass, sneaking it right through the near post. Man. Beautiful. Seabass against his former team. Did you Were you watching that? Did you, like, lean your head, like, oh, a little yeah. bit left? Like, you're like, you know, come you on. Know, you're like, come hey, on. Come on. Contort.
Even Boom, Pete, never, I, don't, I don't think Pete had the angle because they showed the camera of him. Yeah. And the ball goes through and he's like, yes, oh, wait. And he's kind of looking and looking. Oh, yeah, it's good. Okay, that's yeah. how close it was. Well, it's hard. To, you know, it's probably hard to see from uh, It's hard to see on TV whether or not right. it's going in. Um, over to the offensive side of the ball. Well, great game for Russell Wilson in terms of efficiency. 17 for 23, 222 yards, three touchdowns, and one unfortunate interception. I think the interception was the only um, – wrong decision he made all day. The throw just wasn't there, and he tried to force it in there, and a good play by the safety number 25 to knock it up into the air, and Worley gets the pick. But other than that, Wilson was making all the right decisions in the pass game, but it's all because it was set up with the running attack. Once again, Seattle is committed to the run, and the fruit is on the tree. 37 carries for a buck 55. They average 4.2 as a team, and they do it right out of the gate. Seven straight rushes in the script for Brian Schottenheimer, on their way to moving the ball on Oakland, converting some third downs, and ultimately scoring a touchdown on their opening drive. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, the the run-run-pass format has been working well for Seattle uh, the last several weeks. And not only that, but it's also set them up to be more aggressive on first down when teams are expecting run. We saw Russell just miss, uh, I think it was Baldwin, right? It was Doug, yeah, uh, so close. Just miss him, and I think that was on first down, that play. It was on second and eleven. Or second and eleven. Yeah. Okay, but there was there was another throw he had on first down where he just missed. I can't remember who it was, but he just missed a receiver, mm. uh, and it was a it was a would have been an explosive play had it worked. Uh, but Wilson was money. I mean, let, let's face it, he was in fuego. And you're right that that throw at the goal line was a bad decision. He went to the well uh, of Doug Baldwin right after the big play. Right. Right after well, the big play. Just one too many times on that one, and there were three defenders keying in on him on that play, and Moore was actually pretty much wide open if you look at it again. But you take that out, and it's it's interesting because Wilson has played really well the last three weeks. But from a yardage perspective, he hasn't put up huge numbers. Not because, and quite frankly, he necessarily hasn't needed to do that, but he's one of you know just a handful of quarterbacks to have played a minimum of five games this season and has yet to throw for 300 yards. Which in a passing league <laughs> that is the NFL is bizarre, but you know what? He's clearly locked in right now. He's found Baldwin's getting healthy. Lockett has been, done what he's done, and then Moore has come on as really a nice young player who's become a, a, a big time target for for Russ. So, I mean, it's hard to complain too much about his game. Eight different pass catchers for the Seahawks in this game. Loved what I saw from David Moore. He only gets targeted three times in this game, but makes two catches for 47 in the touch. On the touchdown, you know, credit to Moore for staying true to his route and shaking Worley on that. But ultimately, that play is just Russell Wilson dropping the snap that was around his knee to the left side. Not a great snap, but he, you know, is able to stick with it. And he he's still so locked in, picks up the football and pump fakes to the right side <laughs> of the field, just like he would if he had caught it clean. Like, he even got the pump fake off. And then stepped back up in the pocket and then just lobbed it right over Worley, who's just, man, he just gets bad game for him. But a great route and a great catch uh, by David Moore. And it shows that there's a trust factor there between Wilson and one of the lesser-known receivers on this team. And then the back shoulder to get it started. Under a minute left on the final drive of the first half to David Moore. Great play by him. I think this guy, I know it's only two catches and three targets. I think this guy's a playmaker. He could be even like better than the Ricardo Lockett type of receiver that Seattle's had. Yeah, for Not sure. as fast as Ricardo, but I mean that type of wide receiver number four or five on the depth chart that actually can make a lot of big plays when given the right matchup. Yeah, it's interesting to see the trust level is already there so much this early in the season for a guy that's never played with Wilson before. Also, 
that touchdown to Moore was the most Seahawks play ever. Like, <laughs> you know, just just Russell making magic out of a, out of a bad snap and this and that. I mean, it was just very very Seahawky. Uh, <laughs> you yeah. know, but yeah, I mean, it, it's cool to see, and and I think it's important that Moore has played the way he has, given the fact that Brandon Marshall. I know he had the catch. I think it was on third down. It was on third down in on this the game. final drive of the game. But at the same time, it's good to see Moore step up because Marshall, uh, you know, had, had dropped a few balls, and they really needed someone in that position that that he could count on. Seattle finishes nine of thirteen on third down. I mean, that is just so sexy. That is how you win football games. Doug Baldwin had this quote at the end of the game. And he just basically crystallizes how to win in the league. And this is exactly what Seattle's trying to do. Says you got to run the ball. Got to convert on third down. Check, check. You got to have a stifling defense that's led by stopping the run. Check. Check. And you can't turn the football over. And they won the turnover battle 2-1 to one in this game. Check. They did all four of those things. And that's on the Seahawks shortlist for winning football. But especially the converting third down, I was impressed with. 9 of 13. But again, again, and it brings back to what we said at the top. Man, Oakland is bad defensively, too. <laughs> they yeah. are bad. Yeah. Bad zone defense. No pass rush. Obviously, we knew that going in. No run defense. I mean, so that's where the optimism gets tempered. The opposition is a bad football team. Yeah, and I think why it's easy to feel more optimistic right now, though, is because Seattle was able to replicate this formula against the Rams. Right. Right. So I, I think that it's two straight weeks. Now, if Seattle had been porous last week against the Rams and scored, you know, 17 points and gotten blown out, then yeah, I think that you really have to go, okay, the Seahawks are a middling to less than average football team and the Raiders are just terrible and they're going to be picking top three in the draft. But because Seattle has been able to do this now two straight weeks, you see the confidence. It seems like the run game is really rolling. The play calling is looking good, uh, a lot better and a lot uh, a lot more consistent than we've seen in past weeks. You start to feel better about it, you know, and Penny even got some touches out there. He was looking good. Love the backside screen. Yeah. On the first drive. Great call. Yeah. Way to get him in. And then he had some carries as the lead back in the second half. A few times average 4.8 a touch. And again, we're not talking about the offensive line, and that's a good thing. Um, I, well, I th- yeah, we and they did. They played really well in this game. But the one negative, penalties. That's still an issue with this team. They finished eight penalties for 64 yards against, and a lot of those were on the offensive line for holding. But other than that, in terms yeah. of clean play, they played really well. Yeah, they they did. You're right. And, and obviously those penalties kill drives, right? Like a holding penalty... On first or second down, okay, yeah. well, that drive's over. I mean, that's kind of how you feel. Yeah. Um, there And there was that one drive. And they, they scored on three of five first-half drives. And the drives they didn't score was when they had Britt for block in the back and Brown for holding on consecutive plays. Yeah. That, okay, your drive's done. I thought that block in the back was a weak call, but yeah. yeah. A little bit. I, I agree. It was questionable. And then, you know, the other drive they have to punt was the second 11 deep ball to Baldwin in the end zone that if Russell puts that a little toward the boundary, a little bit more, Baldwin sprints, gets the angle. But, I mean, that's a, that would have been a hell of a play. But then was a third and four, Baldwin slips. So he had the angle to a first down if he hits it. So it's our favorite. It won't be the last time we talk about running a pattern short of the sticks. I just think that's part of Brian Schottenheimer's offense. But it was one of those little rub routes, and they yeah. ran it right, and Baldwin just slipped. and. You know, failed to get the first down. I think and even on both, you know, times where they had to punt. Dixon. Dixon. Money. To the 10. Both times. The dude's on fire. Yeah, no, he played well, which was good because, uh, you know, he maybe the performance hadn't been what you'd expect the previous week. But let me tell you this. That play to Baldwin, I'm convinced Seattle goes for it. 
if he doesn't get that stupid penalty that's never called. Yeah, the uh, delay of game. Yeah, because it would have been fourth and I think one and a half yards, and oh. they were on like the 40-yard line-ish area or 45-yard line. Yeah, I think they go for it because the offense was rolling. Mm-hmm. They were running the football. The the Raiders were on their heels. I really think, and I know Pete Carroll is, is Mr. Conservative a lot of the time, but the way that offense was playing in that moment, I think they go for it and get it and probably score on that drive. I was baffled by that penalty call. I mean, mm, yeah, I, I don't, I don't even remember last time a, a, a call like that was called. But yeah, whatever. not a delay of game. I've seen that be like unsportsmanlike. Yeah, unsportsmanlike conduct. But yeah, that's, even that is rare at best. Yeah. So, but whatever. It is what it is. All right. They see, won by twenty four. <laughs> what a win! Twenty seven to three. Um, you know, way to take care of business across the pond. A lot of factors at large. Oakland did not handle it well. Seattle did. We talked about that before. It seemed like Gruden did not. He didn't seem like a coach that was going to have his team ready for a game like this. Yeah, he seemed kind of like a pouty fifth grader that that was mad that he didn't, you know, he had to go on the field trip to the museum that day or something like that. And I always look forward to those. And days. he'll be damned. I know, same here. And he'll be damned if he's going to learn anything at that damn museum, right? That's right. So and, and unless it, it's grainy seventies footage, <laughs> unless it's, yeah, they they'd have had grainy seventies <laughs> footage of the mammoths uh, back in the ice age. Maybe he would have. But yeah, I mean, I I think that you could tell there was one team that didn't want to be there. And honestly, maybe a lot of those guys don't want to be there in general. And maybe it has nothing to do with London. All right. Last thing quickly. Seattle hits the bye week. They're three and three. They've won three of their last four games. Their only loss was at home to a close game against the unbeaten LA Rams. So plenty to be encouraged by. After the bye week, they are on the road to Detroit to take on the Detroit Lions, who are currently two and three. And next week, Detroit is in Miami at the Dolphins. We'll see if Tannehill plays, but... Osweiler just threw for 300-some, and yeah, bizarre what they have going on in Miami right now. So it's Lions at Dolphins. We'll be watching that game, and of course, Seattle goes to Detroit after that. But I'm telling you what, we know this already. Second half of the season schedule, in terms of after the bye, is tough. They're home to the Chargers after visiting the Lions at the LA Rams, and then a short week on Thursday night hosting the Packers. I mean, you got to keep playing this type of football and then keep improving, keep getting better in order to compete with some of these teams. Yeah, and this is this is the issue, right, a little bit, is it's good to see Seattle hitting their stride and playing better. And right now, I mean, the way that they've played the last two weeks, they look like a playoff football team. The problem is their back half schedule is lining up to be very difficult outside of the Niners and Arizona games, which the Niners, with Jimmy G injured, are a completely different football team. That's due to where I see a loss to the Bears – a loss to the Broncos, something like I see that as potentially haunting them later in the year, but we'll see. Cause now all of a sudden you have to win one of those games that maybe wasn't, you know, that, that's maybe you're an underdog in. So that's, that's going to be tough. All right. Final thing. These teams in the NFC are all three and three Cowboys, Eagles, Seahawks. Who's the best three and three team in the NFC? Eagles. I think there's an argument for Seattle. Philly has not been good this year. They've not been good. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, I think there's an argument. If those two teams played this week, first of all, I think the Vegas line would be minus three one way or the other at best, if not smaller, depending on the sure. whole field. And the way Seattle is playing and running the football, they could beat that Eagles team. Philly is not what they were defensively right now. You give look, that's fine. I, I think that we're maybe doing a bit of an overreaction Monday here. I, I, a little bit. All right. 
criticized me for doing that after 27 to 3. What was the last time we saw that? No, and I'm not blaming you for that. And I'm excited about this team. And I think that they are now. I think you're a, overestimating what Philly is right now. I mean, Seattle's look, Seattle's defense has looked good. They've gotten them up. They're top five in multiple categories, yeah. like we talked about. They still don't have the playmakers to me to beat a good offense. And we saw that against the freaking Rams outside of the interception early the in the game. Rams they didn't are stop not them good. the entire They're game. Historic. Yeah, well, Philly's good. Tell that to the Broncos. I mean, the Broncos were able to stop yeah. them a lot of that game. I mean, 18 degrees, Cooper Cup got carted <laughs> off. That's true. Second straight road game for LA. You know, I'm just two saying, receivers I'm, against I'm Seattle, feeling, and Seattle I'm, still couldn't stop them. Well, I mean, for the second half. So, and you know what? Dallas just beat Jacksonville forty to seven. I know so. this league makes no. I guess what I'm telling you right now is the NFC is very convoluted. I mean, look at look at the freaking Vikings. The yeah. Vikings struggled a lot of that game against the Cardinals, and I mean, I, look, the NFC is wide open right now. I think there's too much season left to be played to make any sort of distinction. He's Brian Perkins. I'm Chu Danubi. We'll come back with one more episode during the bye week for the Seattle Seahawks at three and three. And going to the playoffs. <laughs> this is a Gameplay Podcast.